providing resources and comfort to caregivers. This is Caregiver Crossing. Good morning. You're listening to Caregiver Crossing. That's right. We're joining you right here every Sunday morning. Um, Thank you for joining us. If you're hearing us for the first time, Caregiver Crossing is a show brought to you by Joyce House, presented in partnership with Cardon and Associates. We're so thrilled that you're here. Thank you for joining us once again. This show is created for family caregivers and the people who love them. We're here every Sunday, as I mentioned, to discuss the highs, the lows, the joys, and the pains of caregiving. We are your hosts. My name is Candace Hatterball. I'm Tina McIntosh. And Terry Stacy is normally with us, but she's out today just, you know, being great in the community because that's what she does. But she will be back with us next week. She sure will. Um, and if you enjoy the, enjoy the content that we share here with you each week or have ideas of who you would like to see on the show or topics that you like for us to cover, you can call us at Joy's House at 317-254-0828 or you can email Tina at Tina at Joy'sHouse.org. Uh, you can also hear past episodes of the show at CaregiverCrossingRadio.org. All right, Candice, we're going to start by talking about this article that came out. I think it came out early in April of this year, 2023, and it was from Caregiver Action Network, um, written by David Braverman with Friends and Family Homes Home Care Services, and it's about caregiver strain. So we talk about that a lot on here, the stress of being a caregiver. We know there are lots of beautiful things about it, too. We do talk about that as well. Um, This particular article is about caregiver strain. You know, what is it and how we navigate it? And so if someone were to ask you, Candice, what caregiver strain means to you, like what comes to mind? Um, I would think balance. And I know we've we've said it a lot here just on the past shows and just Joyce House in general, that there is no such thing as balance. You know, you're, you're great at putting that into words, but trying to remain true to who you are, but also taking on the needs and the wants of, of your loved one. And I can imagine with children, it'd be difficult to redefine yourself, but as you're caring for an aging loved one who already has their personality and routines, it's probably that much harder. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about burnout. I mean, so caregiver strain just kind of comes naturally along in the process. And then burnout, when you really hit that point where sometimes it's hard to go back, uh, you know, when somebody gets to that burnout um, stage. And so this article talks about the causes of caregiver strain. And we want to share some of that with you. Uh, This, when I read it in advance, Candace, it rings so true. um, So true. So lack of financial resources, I mean, goodness gracious, yeah. that alone is, you know, we all know that that's a point in any kind of life event or relationship, too many overlapping responsibilities. Can I just tell you, as I was walking into studio today, I was thinking about this because I haven't seen, I haven't seen most of our coworkers since my dad passed away. I'm working on We'll tell you now, we're going to talk about that later here in the program. And so if that is a, a triggering thing for you to hear about end of life and and death, then you might want to tune out in the middle of the show. Um, But I was walking and thinking how many people want and need something from me in my life right now. And just even this morning. Yeah. And it almost stifled me in the parking lot. I mean, I just thought like, I'm so excited to come in studio, turn off my phone, you know, be here and be present with you. And so I'm feeling that. So what did you do in that moment when that hit you? How well, did you work through it? Okay. So I'm someone who's had anxiety issues my entire life, like 
fourth grade, put in Riley Hospital for panic disorder and have really had issues my entire life, studied it in college to kind of get as much hold on it as I can. And I just stopped myself for just a second. I stopped myself and I I just kind of literally shook it off. Like I just kind of shook it off in the parking lot and thought, I don't need to be anywhere than where I'm walking in, which is with you and all of you who are listening. Like this is where I need to be right now. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad Thank I'm you here for too. Being here. Thanks. I miss your face. <laughs> I miss your face too. It's nice to be back. So there are other causes of caregiver strain as well. I don't know if you have that list in front of you, if any of them spoke to you. Yeah. Lack of social interaction with others. Um, we've also talked about on, on the show in the past as, as we get further into our caregiving journey, sometimes our friend circle shrink, whether that's because um, they just can't understand you anymore, what you're going through, or they have their own responsibilities and they just have to um, kind of pour into what they're going through. They shrink. And it, we always and encourage as you, you get older. I mean, truly, oh. just as we get older, that happens too. But Doug and I were just, and Doug is my husband for everyone that doesn't know yet. Um, we are searching for our tribe, like our adult tribe, like not the friends that we've had since elementary school or church forever, but our people that match who we are now as adults and kind of where we are in life. And that's, that's hard. I can't imagine adding on top of that, caring for a loved one. So you, you say this, I know that at the end of our time here in the show today, we're going to wrap up some of the article. Yeah. Right. And that, Mm -hmm. but there was one thing I wrote down and it has to do with that very thing. So I wrote down, let me find my notes. Aha. So here is some advice for people who are caregiving. I highly suggest that early on, and I think this goes for any relationship and phase in life, find out who that tribe is, who are your people, communicate it with them. So I think it's weird, kind of, but kind of not like to come to someone and say, hey, I'm going through this with my blank, you know, with my husband, for me, with my dad recently, whatever it is and saying, I need a safe place to feel, to be, to vent, to cry, to be confused or angry. Like I need a safe place. So is it okay if I call you throughout and just have a moment? You'd be surprised how many people step up. But the other thing I wrote down was not only identifying them and communicating, but add and delete them as needed. And I don't know about you. Please and thank you. (laughs) I give you permission to delete me if I'm no longer serving your needs or your wants. That's fine. But know that, know that if it comes to it, I'm going to have to do the same. It's That's true, just, isn't it? I mean, but we don't feel permission to do that. We think, oh, we've had somebody in our life. They have to stay there until the day we draw our last breath. And I think it's ridiculous. I it's, mean, it's tiring. It's tiring. It's not feasible. There no. are people that I loved in my 20s or 30s or 40s that in my 50s. I don't really like them that much anymore. And they don't really like me. And that's okay. It's fair. But there's something in us that hurts when that happens. And so... I just want to give listeners permission to add and delete and you can just stop the relationship. You don't have to be rude or mean. You can slowly back your way out if there are other dominoes that will fall as a result. But I think we need to give ourselves permission to add and delete friends as needed. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. So how do we uh, recognize caregiver strain? Let's I, touch on that for a second. I mean, I feel like, girl, I'm going through it right now. I don't know. You tell How me. How do you feel? T- tired? Are you irritable? Are you? No. You're not irritable? I'm kidding. I, I was trying that. to be irritable when I said it. I, I will tell you, I looked at this list, and we're going to have to take a break yep. here in a minute and circle back to this article. I looked at this list, and I was like, shoot. I mean, check, yeah. check, check. A lot of these yeah, things I on here. Yeah, I want to talk about that. So I don't want to talk about it, but I will. 
Thank I will you. when we Thank come you very back. Much. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, on this next segment, again, might be a little triggering. If you don't like talking about end of life issues or death and dying, you might want to just tune out for the next half an hour and then come back. All yeah, right. I like that. All right. Um, yeah. So coming up next, we're going to talk with end of life doula, Abby Vincent, and talk about the program that's starting at Joy's house. You're listening to Caregiver Crossing, a show designed for family caregivers and people who love them. Caregiver Crossing is brought to you by Joy's House in partnership with Cardon and Associates. With 20 communities owned, operated, or managed in the Midwest and more than 40 years of senior living experience, Cardon and Associates provides residents with the best senior living options and personalized care. Visit cardon.us for more information and to find a community near you. Stay put. We'll be right back with more Caregiver Crossing after the break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Caregiver Crossing. Thank you for sticking around and joining us. Um, We're so glad that you decided to stay with us. This is going to be a great segment. I do want to... um, kind of put a warning out there uh, for anyone that has recently had a, a loss or is is probably coming up on experience a loss here soon. We will be talking with Tina about um, end, the end of life program and losing her father here in just this past week, actually. So um, warning for anyone, you can kind of turn us down for a couple segments and join us back here in the bottom of the show and for the fourth segment. But uh, joining us now is Abby Vincent. She is new to the Joyce House staff, but she is a licensed clinical social worker and is uh, kind of taking over our end of life doula program and helping us get get it up and running. So I'm going to actually hand it off to Tina and Abby here for the next few minutes. And um, we're just going to run through this. Well, first of all, Tina, I, take, take I, your time. I wanted to clap. Like, we can do happy here. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I, I want to acknowledge before we start talking about end of life doula program and what that means, Abby, and what we're building here at Joy's house, that we recognize not everyone is as comfortable as we are mm-hmm. at Absolutely. talking about end of life issues. Absolutely. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's also okay for us to be comfortable about it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Doesn't mean we don't get sad or yeah. confused mm-hmm. or any of the things. So mm-hmm. when we say end of life doula, What in the world does that mean? Right. That's such a good question. Um, You know, one of our favorite people, Tina, uh, that we, Tina and I both went through the training with Alua Arthur, who um, hosted the Going With Grace training program. And we both 
loved it so much. And loved her. Alua, if you're listening, Mm -hmm. you're our friend. You just don't know it yet, but I swear you're going to love us. I know you really are. (laughs) And so I think she describes it the best in, um, in just a really, in really simple terms that people can understand. So an end of life doula, and also sometimes referred to as a death doula is someone who provides non-medical care and support to the dying person and family, essentially walking people through the end of their life. And so it can mean, it can mean varying things depending on the person's situation. Um, but a lot of it means being a calm, grounding presence, a really good listener, being open to whatever that person is experiencing and going through and whatever type of support that the family needs in that moment and the, the family and the dying individual. And it is about how do you want to die? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, as yeah. someone who... Um, for those of you who don't know, I've had cancer twice. My husband's had cancer twice. We'll live with leukemia, leukemia until the day he dies. For us, we can talk about end-of-life things because we've faced death a number of times collectively. Um, if I were terminal, I, I'm good. He's good. You know, for the most part, we're good. Mm-hmm. But if we were terminal, it would be about Abby helping us figure out how we want to die. Mm-hmm. What's that ideal death? Like, where is it? What do you hear? What do you see? What do you smell? What do you feel? Who's there? Who's there with you? Who's not there with you? Who's not there with you? (laughs) That's right. Who's not there with you? And it's also about how do you want to live Mm -hmm. until that day arrives? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the things, and Candace and I have talked about this on this show forever, when we lose purpose in life, we lose the desire and the will to live. Mm -hmm. And so... How does that look when, when we're working with somebody through end of life doula program, how does that, how might that look for them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that question. And I, and that makes me think about what we've adopted as, uh, what's, what's important and valuable to us, the idea of living with purpose and dying with peace. Okay. Say that again. Living with purpose, dying with peace. Like just hearing those words makes me lean into it. Mm -hmm. Me too. I'd be like, I can, I'm behind that. Me too. Because when you think... When we think about death and we think about coming to terms with our own death, it's really about how we spent our life and how we've lived our life. And so part of the doula work, it could be working with an individual um, about creating legacy. So it could be um, uh, ways that they want to be remembered could be through, that could be through doing a life review and journaling with that individual. Uh, It could be one of the things I learned about recently was uh, a a means of legacy planning is gathering an item from the person's home. So the doula would be working at the home, working with the dying individual. They would go through the home and choose different objects that that person wanted to pass on to their family members. And so once they've chosen those objects and identified the family members, we would work with that person to write a card. And then we would have a wrapping day where Mm. we would sit and wrap the gifts. And then the individual would decide, would they like to give them to their family now or would they like to wait until after they've died? And as a way of this is how I want to be remembered and this is the gift I want to give you. So 
I want to tell you a story Mm -hmm. about uh, my dad has, um, if you've listened to caregiver crossing for a long time, you know that my, we've been through like three or four near death experiences with my dad. Mm -hmm. He finally passed away on uh, May 19th and my brother and sister and I were there by his bedside. It was incredibly beautiful. I hope for all of us. I know for my siblings Mm -hmm. and me that night after he passed, which I will say there's a bit of a walking around, like my dad's dead. I mean, like now what do we do? And then we gathered at my house for pizza and drinks. Like, but that's what we did. And ironically for some drinks, my dad was a lifelong alcoholic. And so that was a little at the moment I was like, is this wrong? But you know, he died at five o'clock and we decided it was five o'clock somewhere and we went with it, you know? Yeah. And so we're gathered around the dining room table and my husband's with us and we're a few drinks in. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I remembered that when we cleared out his apartment, we found a letter from our dad and on the outside of the envelope, hold on, I'm going to grab it. I can't wait to see it. Oh, I couldn't believe it. On the outside of this envelope, it says, in case of death, give to my children. And it has our names on it. And so we opened, I said, we've got to lower our expectations. This could be like his not famous pizza, you know, recipe. Like we don't know what we're getting into here because for us, you know, we're expecting some beautiful letter of resolution and, Mm -hmm. you know, something huge. And it was huge. Was it? I mean, it starts with our names in my dad's handwriting. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm showing them now. And that is beautiful, Tina. And then he starts with, in the event you are reading this, I will have crossed to the other side. Please don't worry because I'm in a beautiful place with a lot of wonderful friends. And then it goes on about his love for us. It goes on about, um, he apologized for some things, you know, some things that wow. he had misstepped in life and with his drinking specifically. And I tell you what, we sat there and cried and laughed and played euchre and ate pizza and drank some good tequila. Like I love this so much. It was perfect. It was and, perfect. you know, I, I think somebody had said to me, not meaning to be rude, but like, did you feel any guilt over over those moments. And I was like, no, I mean, no, it's exactly as it should have been. And I think part of what we're doing with our doula program is um, we're realizing in our culture, we only know pretty much one way to die. Mm-hmm. You die, you have a funeral, you're put in the ground or cremated, you move on. Mm-hmm. The, the services happen when you're gone. And when we come back in this next segment, I want to talk about some of the things we're going to be doing with the living because there's a lot of stuff to do with the living. Like you talking about this wrapping party. Mm-hmm. Why don't we do that? Why are we not bringing people into the studio? And I know we're going to, to, to answer questions about their life, record their voice. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, like, I agree. I think about your family when you're gone, mm-hmm. they're going to want to hear your voice talking to them, right? Mm-hmm. Stories about your childhood. Mm-hmm. So that can be another part of it too, with the legacy planning, our Video recordings, stories, childhood stories. Yes. The idea of doing a life review and writing all of that down for your family. In our culture in the United States, we don't like to talk about death and dying. No, we sure don't. Like somebody Mm -hmm. right now is like, crap, I can't get to the radio dial to turn them down. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say maybe you're here for a reason. And so hear us out here. But why why is it, do you think, that we are so afraid to talk about it? I think there's just a, a... general fear around dying. Um, We don't want to lose people we love. And it's hard to imagine that, you know, when it happens to somebody, uh, to one of our close friends, if they lose a spouse or a family member or somebody, you know, we automatically think, gosh, I can't imagine what they're going through. 
And then at the same time too, if you let yourself imagine it for a little bit, that it's painful. And so death is hard to talk about. Uh, and you know, some of the, some things that are important in, th- in thinking about death education is with education and knowledge that helps to decrease fear. Yes. And just saying it out loud, right? Like mm-hmm. that's one of now I, w- I do want to say, we're not going to be calling ourselves death doulas at Joy's house. Although that's a common thing. I have slipped and said it a few times. I know. Right. Because it kind of, it kind of flows. Um, yeah. Yet it, it, it's kind of a difficult term too at the same time. So yeah, but we want to normalize talking about death and dying Mm -hmm. and living until you die. So again, our tagline of living with purpose, dying with peace. Mm -hmm. I think we can all learn from that. And, you know, our culture is so interesting on how we, we put ourselves in a box, whether it's a big box as a casket or a little box with our ashes. And we kind of set that off to the side, Mm -hmm. right? That's right. And we don't, always do a lot other than miss that person. Mm -hmm. There are some other cultures we learned about in our training. Um, I think it's Indonesia where they uh, wrap the person's body. Right. And then they take them for, I think it's a year. Mm -hmm. They take them to celebrations. Yes. There's a lot of ritual and ceremony that happens in other cultures that doesn't necessarily happen here. Yeah. I'm glad they do that. I'm I'm glad Mm -hmm. that works for them. I don't want to do that. I know. That's right. That's right. The, The other idea is talking about death Uh, from a younger age helps us normalize it as a part of life. We all will die at some point. Yes. And talking about it doesn't mean that it's going to happen tomorrow. Talking about it only helps us feel a part of, uh, feel a a part of the larger community. Uh, It helps us focus on how we live. Uh, Thinking about and talking about death more personally, we talked about this with some other folks who work in the death and dying space, it helps me at least live with more gratitude and intention every day. And so providing, talking about death and dying uh, can help normalize that in our community. All right. So I'm going to talk about that for a minute. Mm -hmm. So Abby is a a licensed clinical a social worker. Did I say that the right way? Yeah. Yes. L- yes. LCSW. LCSW. Yep. Um, so put on your LCSW hat for mm-hmm. a minute. Uh-oh. As my dad was dying, I contacted that very day, each of my kids who are, you know, 20, 18 and 14 and said, Papa is actively dying. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things we've learned through this program, Abby, is to look for the breathing and the way the eyes, I mean, there is a real right defined way that mm-hmm. someone looks when they're dying, not a sudden death. Right. And so we were able to pinpoint like he, he is di- actively dying probably before the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So if you want to come and see Papa one more time, this is the moment to do that. Right. One of my kids lives in North Carolina. She was not able. My son is here in town. He couldn't get to the house, but wanted to see him. So we FaceTimed and my saw my dad smile. Wonderful. Um, Webster said, you know, Papa, I'm, I'm graduating high school mm-hmm. and I saw my dad smile in his eyes, the corner of his oh, eyes. Oh, that's beautiful. And I said, Papa smiled. And and then my 14-year-old wanted to be with us. Mm-hmm. And so we sent someone to get her and bring her. Mm-hmm. And in my head for just a minute, I questioned that decision mm. and wondered, should she be coming or should she not? And I thought, well, this is silly. She wants to be here. Yeah. And And, and she did. And she held his hand and she said, I love you. And he, you could barely make it out, but he said, I know. And then I said, just wait. Mm -hmm. And she sat there and it was like 30 seconds went by and he muttered, I love you. And those are the last words I ever heard him say. That is so beautiful, Tina. And I, I 
think that 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 is a beautiful gift for her to carry with her for the rest of her life. Her experience with death was her grandfather surrounded by the people he loved and she was able to be there and say those, those words to him. And that, that visual and that feeling that she had from that experience will, will affect how she sees death in a positive way that this is a natural part of life. It is. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, understand that if you can't come or don't want to hold a hand or don't want to be there, that's okay too. That's right. And if you, then my youngest wanted to go back to school, it was field day. Yeah. And I I, said, go back and have no guilt. He would want you to be there having fun and enjoying the rest of your day Mm -hmm. and being surrounded by your friends, you know? So Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you. Sometimes I wonder if I'm too open with the conversations I have with the kids. I mean, even Mm -hmm. our three-year-old niece is living with us right now. And I just said, you know, Aunt Tina might be sad. Mm-hmm. I might cry. And if I do, just give me a big hug. And she said, why? And I said, my, my dad died. I think that's perfect. I mean, Tina. I, we need to give kids language. Yeah, right? You need to give them the language to use the feelings, the feelings that, that uh, surround that. And, you know, often a child's first experiences with death are a pet yes. or a grandparent. And so role modeling from the adults in their world helps them learn how to cope and to feel about those situations. So I think that's wonderful that you're giving your three-year-old niece the words and the feelings around that. So here's another thing is people expect when you are um, loving someone or if you are the person who is uh, terminal, and so you know death is coming sooner rather than later, I I hear people say all the time, like, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I have a thought behind that. Do you have any recommendations? You want to hear? Yeah, tell me. <laughs> I love your thoughts. So first of all, when people say now to me, like, how are you doing? Or how are your siblings? Or how are your kids? I always say we're appropriate. I know, Candace, you heard us when we were going through <laughs> cancers, we'd say the same things. We're appro- I think we're appropriate. But I've found now as the primary caregiver, you know, for my dad, mm-hmm. and when people ask that directly of me, I will say in this very moment, I'm feeling whatever the word is. That's great. And my whole point is I might feel differently in seven minutes Mm -hmm. or by this evening. So if Candace sees me cry and Abby, you see me happy, it doesn't mean that I'm not sad or I'm in denial, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It just means at that moment, that's how I'm feeling. And I wish that we would give ourselves that permission to just feel however it is right now. Absolutely. And the fact that we can hold two competing emotions at one time. Okay, can Abby stay with us, Candace, for the fourth segment? I wish she would. Will you stay? Sure. Yeah, Good. I'd love to. Awesome. I right. love it. You're listening to Caregiver Crossing, a show designed for family caregivers and the people who love them. Caregiver Crossing is brought to you by Joyce House in partnership with Cardon and Associates. With 20 communities owned, operated, or managed in the Midwest and more than 40 years of senior living experience, Cardon and Associates provides residents with the best senior living options and personalized care. Visit cardon.us for more information and to find a community near you. Stay put. We'll be right back with more Caregiver Crossing right after the break. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. 
Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Sure. Welcome back to Caregiver Crossing. <laughs> we are in the final segment of the show. Thank you for sticking around with us. We are going to continue our end of life doula conversation for just a little while longer. So as I mentioned at the top of the, the um, second segment, if it's going to be too much for you, um, feel free to step away and we will catch you right back here next Sunday morning. Yeah. So we're talking about end of life doula program. Joyce House is creating really two things that have to do with end-of-life doulas. One, an end-of-life doula program, so we can work with you if you are someone who's been diagnosed with a terminal illness and you want somebody to walk that journey with you and help you not only design how you would like to die, ideally, but how you want to live until that day comes. And then we're also designing um, another part underneath that program where we will bring like-minded people together, particularly doulas in the state of Indiana. So if you are an end-of-life doula or you know somebody who is, please have them um, reach out to me, tina at joyshouse.org. And we would love to know you and or them as well. Abby Vincent has stayed in studio with us because we begged her. Um, <laughs> glad that you're I'm so here. happy to be here. So there's a lot that we haven't talked about yet when it comes to end of life doulas. What, what is it, Abby, that you're like, oh, before we end today's show, we have to talk about this. Mm -hmm. One thing I just want to make sure that, that, comes across uh, from a doula's role, uh, you know, some people might say, well, that kind of sounds like hospice. Hmm. Um, so I just wanted to mention one of our, one thing that's really important to us at Joyce House is to work with different hospice organizations. And we almost see an end of life doula uh, as kind of an extension of a hospice organization, somebody that has a different set of time to spend with that individual and the caregivers. It might even be some, the doula might even be working with the family before they go on hospice Yes, and might have some history and some information that would be really valuable for the hospice team. And so we see ourselves as a partner with, with hospice organizations and we're working hard to make those connections. Yeah. So if you um, work or volunteer with the hospice as well, Email me at tina at joyshouse.org because we'd like to be in contact with them. I can tell you from my recent situation with my father, mm -hmm. we worked with his long-term care facility into a hospital for 10 days, mm -hmm. worked with palliative care team at the hospital into um, Abby Hunt Bryce, which if you don't know them as a hospice home, fantastic, and work with people who typically don't have the means to have a physical address. Um so we worked with the folks at the hospice home, Abby Hunt Bryce, and we worked with the folks at hospice. Mm -hmm. All right. So there are a lot of people in there, right? I said more than once to my sister, this is why we need an end of life doula. Right. And it would have, it should have started a year ago when I know my dad was failing in health. Mm -hmm. And so if an end of life doula would have been there, he or she, I'm going to say she just to make this easy on myself. I think would have helped us make decisions that were in his best interest. That's right. Not for everybody else, mm -hmm. right? That's but for right. him. Yeah. 
help create what that legacy looked like even more. Mm -hmm. I think she, Abby, I look at you, would have helped make the phone calls. Mm -hmm. He had a cremation already planned, but the policy had expired. Make the phone calls to life insurance, Mm -hmm. the banks. All those logistical things that are overwhelming, overwhelming to the family. Terrible. Mm -hmm. We sat in a hospital when our time and attention should have been with our father, Mm -hmm. making phone call after phone call because the bills that were piling up or all the things that were happening that we knew we had to arrange for the future. Mm -hmm. You would have done that for us. Right. right. You would have been the voice of reason about what's next Mm -hmm. and then getting him logistically there. Mm -hmm. So we could have been daughters. Been there with him. As his daughters. Right. That's right. Getting yeah. his room set up, mm-hmm. getting, you know, his, his refrigerator stocked, like all of the things. And then walking that with us about, and not necessarily being by our side at every mm-hmm. point, right? right? But giving us a safe place to learn and empowering us. These are the things to look for. That's right. And su- supporting and educating the family about what the death process is like and empowering you to feel prepared for that. Yeah. A lot of that, uh, you know, some some of our education in this role comes from Barbara Carnes, who is a longtime hospice nurse. Anyone that works in hospice knows who she is. And she wrote this great little 14-page booklet called Gone From My Sight to help families prepare. And she talks about neutralizing the fear that families experience and the dying individual experiences about the end of their life and how valuable that can be. Education is so important. And that's part of the the doula role as well. I'm zip, zip, zipping into my planner because this is, I also oh, am carrying this. So that's not it. just my father's letter. I've given that out. I have also given that out. We yeah. need to have a bunch mm-hmm. of these copies. $14 on Amazon. It is. That's on my agenda to talk to you. Is that right? Actually, well, yeah. I think we should just do that. <laughs> I know. This is actually gone from my site, the dying experience that Abby's talking about with Barbara Carnes. It tells you what to ex- what to expect one to three months out, a few weeks out a couple of days out, mm-hmm. hours out. And I'm telling you, watching my father pass as someone who's trained as an end-of-life doula, and I've been with other people when they've died, watching it as his daughter and from this perspective was fascinating. And and we knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. We really knew it was coming because of gone, you know, gone from my sight. Right. It, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And so when a person is in that transition period and they're agitated and their breathing changes and all of that, you as his family are prepared and you say, oh yeah, remember when Abby and I spoke about this, this is what's happening with the breathing. Yes. This is why he's agitated. Abby, what excites you most about this program? We have about a minute left. Okay. Um, gosh, so much excites well, me, Well, thanks Tina. for being here. I'm totally oh, kidding. Yeah. I'm totally kidding. Go on. <laughs> Let me just cut you off. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. I, I am so excited to be a part of this program and um, the idea of helping people walk through this process with their loved ones and being a part of that. I'm, I'm just really excited. I'm excited to be a part of Joy's house. We're thrilled to have you. And I have to tell you, everybody who's met you has said, Abby has such a calming presence. I know that listeners can hear it, you know, through mm-hmm. the speakers Thanks, and, Tim. and what you are going to do to breathe life into this end of life dealer program and cohort for mm-hmm. people who are in the industry. I'm beyond excited about yeah, it. I am too. Candace, anything on your mind about this topic? I mean, it's different. No, I think you ladies have covered it beautifully. But um, earlier in the show, we mentioned uh, those legacy recordings. Mm -hmm. And if anyone is willing to be our guinea pig, uh, give us a call. (laughs) You can email Tina at Tina at joyshouse.org or you can call us at 317-254-0828. That's definitely something we want to start offering and we need someone to practice on. 
oh, I mean, the phone will ring off the hook or yes. the emails will come in or whatever. Oh, that but, sounds so great. And also, as as we close the show here, that, you know, you can contact me about anything. We're back. I mean, it's been a minute since we've been yeah. on radio. We were podcasting during, you know, the pandemic. And so, um, you know, email me, tina at joycehouse.org. And we want to thank our sponsors, Cardon and Associates, uh, 20, 20 communities owned, operated, and managed in the Midwest. Cardon and Associates provides residents with the best senior living options and personalized care. Until next time, take good care of each other.